Hello, this is Scott Haskin, host of the Haskin Cast podcast. Just wanted to do a quick uh, opening to this. This is going to be a four-part series in a conversation that I had with John Matola from the Deep Purple podcast about the show on Netflix, Cobra Kai. Uh, you know, it's it's funny. You never really know how long these shows are going to last. And I really try to keep the interviews and conversations to about half hour, 45 minutes. If I'm doing an album review, I might do something a little longer because I've got to cover the whole album. If it's a double album or something uh, with a lot of bonus tracks, I might split it into two episodes because it's just easier to listen to in smaller chunks, right? Uh, but our conversation ended up going two hours and I didn't really think about it. I just thought, well, we're going to sit down and have a great conversation about Cobra Kai. And we did. And we went into some really interesting uh, directions. It's kind of random, kind of spotty. Um, there was really no, let's start with season one and go through the current uh, season five. Nothing like that. We just kind of picked little spots and talked about them. Funny thing was, I had several pages of notes of things that I picked out because before we sat down and started uh, talking about it, I rewatched all five seasons and um, barely scratched the surface of what I had written down. So who knows, there may be more to come uh, at some point. But for now, enjoy part one of four of our episode talking about the show Cobra Kai. Welcome to another episode of the Haskin Cast Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Haskin, and with me is my most frequently repeating guest who, you know, he might as well just take over the show at this point. Let's welcome him to the show, John Matola. John, how are you doing? I'm good. You got a problem with that? Don't have a problem with that. <laughs> there is no, no pain awesome. in this dojo. Yes, Sensei. You know, uh, I think you might as well just take over the show. You have been you're you're not i don't even consider you a guest anymore like when you come on you're a co-host oh thank you absolutely i'm excited about this uh i can't remember if this was my idea or your idea but i am just so ridiculously hooked on this show cobra kai and i found out you were a big fan of the show and i thought we should talk some cobra kai i think it was our idea I think was we were... it one of those things that just kind of came out of a conversation yeah i think we were just texting about it and saying, wouldn't this just make a great episode? And you're like, yeah, let's do it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> so we, why not? Yeah, yeah, it happens. I, I don't know even how many times I've watched this series all the way through. When If I'm not listening to a podcast or working on something, like if I'm just at, at you know, have downtime or I'm doing, you know, groceries, putting away groceries or whatever, like Cobra Kai is on. And I've probably mm. seen the whole thing at least seven or eight times. Wow. Yeah, I have no life. I thought <laughs> I thought I was hardcore because um, uh, because I, I think I've watched every season um, at least twice through the first one. I pro I think I might have watched it three times. Mm -hmm. um, and, but and for me, like that's a lot for a series, even if it's a limited series or a half hour or whatever. Because usually I'll just watch a series through and be like, "Yep, that was great," and maybe I'll revisit it sometime in the future. But I mean. These are watched like back to back because they were just so good. Yeah. And it's so different now, I find with with streaming, because we don't have to have patience other than the new season coming out. It's not like we have to watch an episode and then wait a whole week for the next episode to come out. And then there's some writer's strike or a holiday event or a sports event and, and they don't show it that week. Like we could just watch the whole thing the day it comes out. It's crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, that's the, um, I guess the blessing and the curse of uh, streaming is, is that you can binge a whole season of, uh, of a series in one or two nights. Um, or um, like me, you can, I, I parcel it out because I don't want it to end too quick. So I'm like, all right, I'm going to do two episodes tonight and then that's it. And um, because back in the day, you had to wait. I mean, I still remember some of my favorite shows um, uh, uh, coming on. I just couldn't wait until uh, Monday night or Friday night or whenever the new episode would come on. I think the um, the the Simpsons is probably the best like running example because it's been on for thirty something odd years, um, or even Family Guy mm-hmm. um, are the ones that I've been watching the longest at this point that are still on from way back. Is um, when they're still doing network TV, they're still doing seasons the same way. So that's the only kind of connection I have to it. And even now I have YouTube TV, so it just automatically records them. And when I get to them, I get to them. I don't even clamor like, Oh, I can't wait to watch it on this night. But if a whole season comes out of something like, Oh, all of Cobra Kai is dropping this Friday. I'm like, Oh boy, I can't wait. <laughs> so, well, and I, I remember th- you know, thinking back to like star Wars when the first star Wars movies came out, mm-hmm. waiting three years from one to the next to the next was so <laughs> like the first month was the most horrible month of your life because you're like, it's going to be so long before the next one comes out. And uh, and so I started getting to the point where if I wanted to get into something new, like Lord of the Rings, for example, I didn't start watching Lord of the Rings until the third movie came out. And I'm like, I, I don't want to put myself through that again. I'm just going to like they're all available. I can watch them when I want, but I don't want to have to wait a long period of time between one and another. Yeah. Um, but we I think as a society, we've really lost our ability to be patient because everything <laughs> yeah. is just right at our fingertips now. Oh God, absolutely. Um, but I don't know. I'm kind of, I kind of enjoy it. I kind of live for it. Um, on, on one of our last episodes, I, I made, um, I made a, uh, allusion to, um, on one of on my podcast, um, to, uh, to Nate that I've always embraced technology. And he's like, that's not the way I remember it. And he started <laughs> laughing because I was like, when we were kids, I was the, I was the last on board to get CDs and, everything else. But I, I think that what I meant was um, like going forward since the, the cell phone or the internet age is um, I'm, I'm all about automated uh, self-checkout streaming, like any, anything that makes things more convenient or streamlines things. Uh, I, I just think that the world is adapt. Uh, businesses have adapted. Um, and I think that I love it. It makes my life easier. Like even, even sitting here in my home, I remember when I first moved in here and I had wires everywhere, everywhere to hook up the, the internet to the, to the speakers and the TV and everything. Like the room that I'm in now is not like the, um, the, the living room, but the, the main, um, the main cable hookup is in here because it's a bit of an older building and but the the family room is out there. So to get um, like um, uh, cable or like the speakers or everything running from the computer room, I had to like run wires under the carpet around the molding and everything out there. And it's like now I have like I just plug something in and and that's it. Everything is just wirelessly connected. Like I got rid of all my wires and connections like ages ago. Well, and it's nice that you can you can be on the phone and the internet at the same time. 
<laughs> exactly. Yeah, well, that's I, that's old school. We're going back. Yeah, going I, mean, back I, I remember like I'm going to get online. I'm hoping that that nobody picks up the phone by mistake and you know tries to make a phone call because it's going to disconnect me. Uh, oh God, yeah, I'd be a website or checking an email, and then I'd be like kicked off. I go, Mom, <laughs> I've only got four hours of AOL this week, Mom. Come on. <laughs> Uh, I, you know, I was one of those people that was like, would really fight to not embrace technology, right? I'm like, yeah, it, it, I'll wait until it gets good. Like just next week, I'm upgrading to Windows 10. I've been in 8.1 this whole time. <laughs> so, but but like with uh, with going to digital in the studio, I was hands-on analog four track, you know, recording cassette guy. Um, and then when I finally switched to digital, I went, oh my God, this is so much easier. Why did I fight this? You know, now I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not the guy that'll get the newest phone as soon as it comes out because I think just spending a thousand dollars on a phone every nine months or a year is just kind of insane. Yeah, but you know, I'm usually like two or three models behind. I mean, I think in cases like that, I mean, who cares? I mean, do you ever hear the old uh, routine from uh, one of Louis C.K.'s um, specials? He's just like, even the shittiest cell phone is amazing. Right. You know, I mean, I think my, I think I have like an iPhone 11 and what is it out now is like an iPhone, like 13, 14, whatever. Mm -hmm. I don't need it until this phone literally can't operate anymore because what else do I really need? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It it does everything. Well, my picture is going to be a little more clearer. Right. It's like, just because it can do something doesn't mean I need it to do that thing. Like I need my phone for calls, checking email, you know, responding to things. Uh, maps if I need it. But apart mm-hmm. from that, like it's a phone and um, it, it, and I don't leave the house that much. So it's not like, you know, I, I really use it as much as a lot of people probably do. But I'm like, yeah, yeah it's great that, that phones can do all these great things now. I don't need those services. So why am I going to spend that kind of scratch on just, just so I can say I have the newest and cleanest one? Sure. You know, I, I, I mean, my car is 20 years old, so <laughs> I'm, yeah, I'm definitely not about. that guy. You know, um, but you were you were telling me before we started uh, recording that you you watched the show with your dad, Cobra Kai. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So. I was into the the original Karate Kid came out, um, I think I was. I don't know, eight or nine, maybe because it came out in what, 84, 84, I think. Yeah. 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 So I remember that being a new movie. Um, I can't remember if I saw it in the theater or uh, I definitely, definitely went to rent it from the video store, but it was, it was like the hot movie. I loved it. Um, so I was there for its inception when it was popular and then the sequels and everything. So when they were doing the, the reboot, um, I, I was excited. I'm like, Oh, that's great. And it was originally on YouTube red, which I'd never heard about before, mm-hmm. but I'm like, Hey, I get YouTube TV. I get YouTube red. Sure. I'll, I'll watch this. That's, that's a cool concept amongst all these other things coming back. I thought this was a real kind of fringe, um, niche kind of movie. It was popular, but not really popular like these days. Yeah. Um, like say like a star Wars, like if they do something with that, you're going to be like, Ooh, somebody does something with, uh, the karate kid. You're just like, Oh yeah, that old movie from the eighties. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. So I remember watching the, I put it on, watched the first season and I was just blown away by how good it was. Um, the way that they had the old cast and the new cast um, come together and just create this story where 
they they told more of a backstory of the old cast, uh, the original cast, I want to say, um, um, while kind of uh, developing like Johnny's story, Daniel's story, like how they changed and then they're kind of meeting up and um, their their rivalry still being. And it was ridiculous, too. I remember reading something where they're like, yeah, we want to make this ridiculous. These two guys in their 50s is still with this rivalry. And there were parts of it which were like really uh, it was just funny because you're just like, oh, my God, like the, the, I think they were like fighting over breakfast and his wife's like, do you want pancakes? And he's like, I could eat. <laughs> it's like, right, yeah. And they're sitting down, like staring each other down like they're like a showdown while they're eating breakfast. And it's just like it's wild. But th- that part of it's really lighthearted and funny. But at the same time, they make you really care about the new generation cast, even down to I was thinking about it earlier today in the season one, that whole golf and stuff. Um, um, montage where the uh, where Miguel takes his um his date. I think it was yeah him and Sam right it was Sam, went yeah. to went to golf and stuff. And they they it was like the same it was the same place. And the way that they did that montage, and I think they even used the original music from the Karate Kid, and it was almost like like a like a shot by shot recreation of the original movie. And it just brought back such nostalgia, and it did such. Um, justice to it and you're and I was just like wow not only is this like nostalgia and it makes me feel good it's like wrapping yourself in a warm blanket but it's like this is just so well done and it's like really making me care about these characters and the cast and but then at the end the thing that really hooked me in which they they did I think to the greatest effect in the first season because after you knew what they were doing it became a little less effective was they kind of had that law and order SVU ending type of thing where it's like the last minute something happens and then it's, it's a cliffhanger and you're like, Oh, I got to watch the next episode. Now they're, Um, they're the masters of doing that. I I mean, one thing that I love about this show is that no one ever has a moment to breathe and just relax and be happy. Like every time you think, okay, we're going to have a little lull in the storyline. Nope. There's some other thing that just comes right around the corner. Um, Perfect example would be when when Robbie and Sam are about to go to Sam's parents and and announce that they're a couple. They walk in the house, they kiss one more time, they're going into the living room, and you think, okay, they're gonna they're gonna tell them and see what happens. No, boom, twist. Robbie's mom is in there now. She's gonna go off to rehab and it, like just like these people cannot sit down and relax for two seconds. Right, right. <clears throat> so um, the um, I guess the point that I was working up to was is. I thought that this was so incredible. I'm like, my my dad and my brother are going to love this because my brother and I are four years apart. And um, he grew up watching the same thing too. He's four years younger than me. And um, we were in the same generation, obviously. So we watched those. And I'm like, knowing my dad, I'm like, he's going to, he's going to eat this up because it's, it's, it's dramatic. It's exciting. It doesn't matter if you watch the original movies. So we put on the first episode and I I remember like, I'd already seen it. I'm sitting there watching with them. The first episode ends and the credits are rolling and they both looked over at me and they're like, put on the next one. (laughs) (laughs) And we, we did that. Like, yeah, we did that. Like, I I don't know. We did like four or five or something where they're like, we, we got to get to bed. (laughs) We like, we got to stop. Yeah. Well, you, you touched on something. I think that is a, a, there's, there's two real keys I think to this show is one is the nostalgia, obviously, Yeah. you know, that uh, whatever happened to these guys, you know, and and just kind of re re entering their lives later on and figuring out what's happened to them all these years. 
Yeah. The fact that they can't get over their little karate fight from 30 years ago is just hilarious. Yeah. Um, but but I think there's that, but there's also just that it the writing and acting is so good. Yeah. That they just they draw you in, they make you care about every single person. And it's like normally in a show, you're gonna side with somebody and you're gonna want somebody to lose. But I kind of I want Daniel to win, but I want Johnny to win. Like I want them both to be happy and successful. Yeah. But over time, I'm losing my passion for Daniel being successful because he's kind of a dick in a lot of these episodes. <laughs> well, I mean, we could we could definitely get into that because that's um uh, I mean, I could argue that he was since the since the first movie. Yeah. But um but I mean, um, I, I think that the the other thing that the show does really well is the the legacy characters, like not only do they develop them and bring them back, but they, they do bring them back and they do bring back the original characters, like the original actors that did them, like they bring back. Uh, obviously, they have Daniel and, and, and Johnny. They bring back in a couple of seasons on um, Allie, mm-hmm. uh, Elizabeth Shue, um, like all these people that you hope will come back are coming back. And it's not the original it's not like some ringer it's the original actors it's not like right. uh it's not like uh what they did with uh what jan on the brady bunch variety <laughs> hour <laughs> or, or cindy in the movie and right right exactly yeah. like when you see these things like the one thing that i would say about that i would tell everybody is is like if you want to watch this series not only is it like good for nostalgia but if you're not nostalgic about the movie it's really good writing or everything is just they they did it right this yeah. is the one series, like the reboot, where I feel that they did it the right way. Like it, it had to have been a labor of love from whoever created and was involved in the series had to have been fans to do this this way, mm-hmm. where they're, the people that we're going to include were going to be the original actors, um, where they were going to develop the story. And as as we get go on through the seasons, they're even like more developed Um uh, you know, you just get to like be sympathetic to to uh, Johnny, whereas like in the original movies, you're just like, oh, he's the bully um, yeah. or something like that. But I just remember um, the original movie after seeing it several times, starting to say what you said is, is like Daniel's kind of a dick, <laughs> like like yeah. he's kind of asking for it. Um, I mean, have you ever seen? Um, Oh, what's his name? He talks about it. Another another comedic reference. Um, uh, Gary Gullman. Mm-mm. He's a comedian who talks about uh, the Karate Kid, and he said, he said Daniel. He goes, he was a pathetic little twerp. He goes, he just couldn't leave well enough alone. And he's talking about you have Cobra Kai. He goes, they're dressed as skeletons rolling joints in the bathroom. He goes, the most terrifying thing you could ever think of. And what does he do? He pours hose water on him. It's like, who does that? (laughs) He's like, why couldn't he leave well enough alone? And you think about it and you're like, yeah, Daniel kind of was a little bit the villain in the first movie. Uh, I mean, when you look back at some of the, even some of the, um, the, the flashback sequences where Johnny goes to the beach to apologize to Allie, Daniel just kind of walks up and he's like, yeah, you can, uh, you can get lost. And it's like, this was the hurt kid. who was just trying to get his girlfriend back. And now he's got this, this, uh, this twerp who pissed him off to begin with. And he's like, look, dude, you just need to step off. And he wouldn't. Right. And it's kind of like, and then the season opens up and he's super successful and um, has has the, the great house and the dealership and everything. And you're like, well, you know what? Good for him. Because in the movie, he grew up poor. 
Yeah. Um, or they came from a really uh, a poor background. So you're like, all right, good for him. And you see those kind of familiar tropes. Johnny was the good looking, successful you would think. And now he's drunk in his apartment, uh, waking up, uh, drinking a can of beer or whatever. And Daniel's successful. So you're like, okay, this is how we're going to do it. But they, they were really subtle with the way that they work these things out. And it just turned out really well, instead of it being some kind of parody or being really hokey. Um, yeah. But, but you know, that think about this too. Daniel didn't just go up to Johnny at the beach. He went up to Johnny and like five of his friends, and said, you get out of here. Like, who goes up to an entire gang of people and says, you could go now? Right. Like, that's just such a, a stupid thing to do in the first place. And I get, you know, he's trying to protect this new interest of his that he met 20 minutes ago. Yeah. But, I mean, who, who just goes up to a bunch of guys and, you know, other than like Chuck Norris? Go. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the idea of it opening because, you know, if you follow the story of Daniel, if you're on Daniel's side, right, not really thinking about him being the bully, because we're told we're given his story. We're not given Johnny's story in The Karate Kid. So it's like if you were to watch Star Wars, we follow Luke and Han because that's the side we're given to like, right? We're told Darth Vader and, and the Empire is evil. We have to fight them. So we're automatically on Han and Luke's side. But if we were told the story from Darth Vader's perspective, whose side would we be on? We would understand why Darth is the way he is, which we kind of got later, but they still cast him as the bad guy. Right. So what we're getting now is you open it up with, oh, good, the bad guy got his justice. He's he's a piece of shit living paycheck to paycheck, you know, in a shitty apartment. The good guy won. He got the big house and the girl and the family and all that. Right. But then they start to spin it and go, well, wait a minute. Johnny really wasn't the bad guy. Look at how he became who he was. And Anthony turns out to be who Johnny was, which is the kind of stuff that they do in the writing that I love. He's now the, the you know spoiled rich kid who now turns out to, to start being a bully, even though it was right. for different reasons. Exactly. I, I love the way that they keep twisting those storylines in on themselves. But I, I have to ask you, do you think that there's too many throwback references? Like you, you talked about the parallels with golf and stuff and Miguel's date, uh, yeah. along with when uh, Daniel dated uh, Allie the first night. But do you think that they do that a little bit too much? I don't think so. Um, I mean, I might I might not be looking at it um, um, objectively, mm -hmm. um, but um, I think that there was just enough because I, I don't think that they just um maybe maybe until this current season i don't think that they trot out characters or old references just to do it mm -hmm. like i think when they brought um um when they brought ally out i thought that that was that was really nice uh that was yeah. cool when uh, when there was kumiko i think in the couple of couple of seasons ago mm -hmm. um chosen who who turns out to be a completely different character than he was in the second movie and, oh, and, yeah. and now you're on his side and you love him and when you thought that he got killed you're like oh no and then he comes back and you're just oh good you're kind of like um uh what's his name um uh like a like a glenn from the walking dead character mm -hmm. you're, you're just like Oh no, like the time you thought that he he got killed if you follow that show. And I did a long time ago, but there was one time you thought he was in big trouble and he was like safe. And you're like, oh good. If he died, I would I wouldn't watch the show anymore. <laughs> um I, I really want Chosen to get his own spin-off show. I, I just love that character. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's great. Um, but the only one I feel like they made a little stretch with with Mike Barnes, because 
I felt like, oh, okay, they're bringing Mike Barnes back. And it almost felt like they just kind of trotted him out and there was really no reason to. Um, although I still think it was cool that they referenced all the way up to that third movie. But I think that just having him in it was a stretch because I was waiting for his involvement to be a little bit more or for like, I thought that when he was going to uh, give him the name of like um, uh, Terry Silver's old lawyer, which by the mm-hmm. way, Silver was a brilliant choice to to yeah. include in there is just the the huge villain um but oh, uh, he used to work with this lawyer and everything and daniel contacted him like oh this is going to turn into something and it just wound up being kind of a footnote in mm-hmm. the story and then it's like all right so why is mike barnes even in here other than nostalgia but um i i mean i think that they made some some callbacks to certain things like them going to daniel's old apartment building mm-hmm. um or um, you know, some maybe some things that I'm not thinking of right now, uh, ref- references to like way back. And I think that maybe it's getting to the point where it can get a little played out in this season, which is why I think um, if there is going to be a next season, which there isn't, we're all going to riot. Um, oh, yeah, <laughs> I think next season will probably be the last because I feel like they're on the verge of going overboard, jumping the shark, so to speak, as we were talking about before. This is like it's going to get a little too repetitive. Yeah, uh, that's very possible, and and I want to I want to get into some predictions before we we wrap mm-hmm. up at some point about how we think this is going to end because I have I have a, some very definite ideas on that. Mm-hmm. I think the thing that I I thought it was cool that they brought Mike Barnes back. I also like that they brought back uh, the the girl from uh, the third movie too in that same season. That was that right. was a nice little surprise, and that really I think helped reinforce the depth of the damage that silver did to Daniel psychologically mm-hmm. when he was a kid. Yeah. But what I didn't like about the, the Mike Barnes thing was that the way that he was talking on the phone was just too perfectly in sync with him working with silver. He's talking about fixing chairs and he's like, you know, Oh, you know, talking about the kids and coming from Japan and all this stuff. And I'm like, you know, that dialogue just felt, that felt very three's company to me, like very let's force <laughs> yeah. a situation yeah. so that Daniel will have a misunderstanding, like, like a classic three's company episode um, where they're just like, he's going to misunderstand and he's going to attack Mike. And and I'm like, I didn't, yeah, exactly. I didn't like that part of the introduction. I thought it was cool that he came back because I, I figured once they had Allie, like they're going to try and work in other people. You know, mm-hmm. but but from I saw an interview with William Zapka and um I think um I think Daniel was in it too. And they said that they didn't know for sure whether Allie was coming back until like last minute. Yeah. And they the writers had two different storylines prepared. If she did, they went with the one that they went with. But if she wasn't gonna come back, they had another way to go. So they were prepared both ways. And I thought that was really cool because you know, what would they have done if she was at the last minute? Like, yeah, I just don't think this is a good idea. I don't want to do it. Well, I mean, I think that that's really cool though. I mean, that's a mark of um, being prepared. Um, yeah. And I think that that's the, that's one of the reasons the show is so good is they had, they had a plan B if she wasn't going to come back. Exactly. Um, which, which I think is great. And I, I really love the way that they have developed the, the, uh, the, the legacy characters as well. Like um, if, if one thing, my dad's favorite character is Johnny because mm-hmm. he's he's perpetually stuck in the 80s and he's fumbling. He doesn't know how to use a cell phone and he, he's trying to be an Uber driver and he just he doesn't he doesn't know what's going on. And that's what makes him kind of like this lovable 
goof almost. Mm-hmm. Um, but he can still be um, like a hard ass and a, a tragic figure and somebody that you can identify with and that you can like. But I just love the fact that they have him stuck in the past. And Daniel is over here just being completely successful and in the present and just rolling his eyes, just being like, oh, Jesus, you don't know how to you don't know how a cell phone works. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, yeah. I, but do you think that they've dumbed, dumbed down Johnny a little too much? Because if you, if you go back and watch the karate kid, he's not a dumb kid. You know, he no. might not have grown up in and followed the technological route. So I could see him not understanding how some of the stuff works, but he almost seems at times like he was hit on the head too many times. <laughs> Yeah, almost like a almost like a Homer Simpson type character, right? Yeah, a little bit, like almost a little Al Bundy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know, um, and, and I think they like I get that there's a difference between the technology and just not being smart. And I think he's a lot smarter than than they're allowing him to be. And I thought I thought that was kind of maybe a little bit too far. Maybe, but I mean, if you think about how he was he was kind of being. Um, um, groomed by Crease to be his star pupil, and he came from a broken background. When he lost Crease as like his his uh, his mentor, his father figure, that could have just been the beginning of his downward spiral to never getting past that uh, kind of uh, teenage mentality. Right. Yeah. Very much so. Um, well, I, I I definitely want to talk about Crease, but first I have to mm. tell you, in in all five seasons, Johnny has my absolute favorite line in the entire show. One thing that that bothered me when uh, they brought back Kumiko. So you've got Daniel and Kumiko are sitting there and they're talking. He's like, so you, you can't tell me that you never got married. And and she says, well, no one, no one ever fought to the death for me before. And my first reaction to that was no one ever fought to the death for you because no one died. <laughs> True. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm pretty sure both Daniel and Chosen were still alive at the end of that. So mm-hmm. it, that kind of bothered me. And they had referenced that a couple of times. And then finally, when uh, Chosen and Johnny were going to the Cobra Kai dojo and uh, they were kind of like doing that scene in Jaws, trying to one up each other. Yeah. You yeah. Know? And and Chosen's like, we, uh, you know, I fought him to the death. And he's like, what are you, a ghost? <laughs> I'm like, finally, <laughs> finally, somebody said something that just <laughs> always bothered me. Oh, Johnny has the best lines. Yeah. But I, I love that we've gotten Johnny's backstory, that we understand a lot more of why he was the way he was. I think the the whole thing with his dad and, and, and his upbringing and everything is great. But I also love that we are getting Kreese's backstory. Yes. Because he's another one that we were just, desi- he's the Darth Vader of this show. Yeah. So we were just designed to hate this man no matter what, because he's the cause of all the problems. But not justifying what he did was okay, but understanding how he became who he was right i love that and i love in the last episode the way that they did the whole thing with the song my way uh i thought was just really really well done i thought that was a um you know what that made me think of um because there were there was actually in this in this season there were a couple of things that i really loved which that was one of them which actually made me think of um what I was introduced to this, um, I guess you could call it a technique of uh, was in the uh, the John Woo action films of like the 90s, mm-hmm. um, like um, um, uh, Face Off or Con Air. If you remember those movies, those oh, were like yeah. two of my favorite action movies. And I want to say I can't remember which one of them it was, but it was a technique of employing like a um, like a song like that, like a really 
kind of a sweet song or like a, a song that makes you think one thing, but the visuals, the images are really violent and explosive and not matching up with the music. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of like how um, the original Halloween did with uh, Mr. Sandman over oh, right. the end yeah. credits. Mm-hmm. So you get this really kind of um, song that you always associated with, oh, it's the, it's the fifties and it's innocence and everything. And you just saw like a, a massacre on Halloween night. Yeah. So I thought that the, the the my way song was good because it was it was one of those songs that you it, it was kind of like uh, triumphant. It showed Crease being triumphant in that final scene where he escapes prison, but you don't think of it as being like a see you see like in the background you see in slow motion like the the lights flashing and doctors running around in chaos because he just beat the shit out of or uh, maybe even killed a few people I can't remember, and um, it, it's just a really good kind of. Um, um, what's the word dichotomy, I guess you could say yeah. between the, the image and the music that mm-hmm. I really loved. Um, the scene before that or not directly before it was when he was talking to the therapist and all the different people were sitting in the chair, um, through it throughout his, uh, his life. And it was all like the way that I read the scene was, is that it was in his mind. Mm-hmm. Um, while he's talking to her, she's talking to him the whole time, but all the different characters, his girlfriend, himself, um, just, um, his, his young, um, younger Johnny, um, are all the therapist, but while he's spilling his guts, while he's bearing his soul, it's all to like, he's visualizing those people like that's those questions or those things are coming from those people, like in his mind. And yeah. I thought that that was a really interesting way of doing it. And um, I thought it was a really um, powerful way of doing it rather than just having it be a straight conversation between him and like the prison therapist. I thought so too. And it's just kind of facing those moments of your life, those different things that have had a huge influence on you. Yeah. And it was a great mirror to Sam's scene in the deprivation tank where she saw herself and her dad and, and Robbie and, and yes. Miguel. Um, I thought that was a great mirror to that scene. <laughs> 